Welcome in. We are here to fuel your Rockets needs. This is Clutch Fans Rockets Fuel Podcast. And as usual, we are so happy that you're here with us as we talk Rockets basketball. Uh, this is the second episode, and we thank everyone that actually joined us for our first episode. It's actually going to be the first one that we're actually recording That's uh, for video that's actually going to go up on YouTube later. So make sure you're definitely checking that out. Um, today, we have a very special guest. I don't know if I can call him a special guest because he's probably going to be on here a lot, but <laughs> uh, we have a very special guest. So before we get kicked off here, I want to let him introduce himself because I know most of y'all already know who he is. Oh, that, that kind of you, Matt. I, I, my name is Dave Hardesty, uh, just at Clutch Fans on Twitter. And um, yeah, I've just been talking Rockets for quite a while. So Yes. <laughs> quite a while is like way back in the 90s. Like I can say way back in the 90s because I've been watching the Rockets for just as long so i think we're kind of in the same boat um but yeah i I appreciate you know you jumping on dave and i know we're gonna be doing a lot of shows going forward um and of course we're gonna be talking about the draft um because that's the big topic especially for rockets fan um of course there's the nba playoffs still going on but for rockets fans the draft and the draft lottery that's coming up uh, here pretty soon. It's like the main topic. So uh, that's what we're going to be talking about in this first segment. Um, I want to get Dave's opinion on that. Uh, myself and Anthony Duncan talked about the draft last week. Um, but again, we're going to be talking a little bit more about that and going a little bit more in depth um, in this first segment. In the second segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about the actual team that's there right now. And I want to get Dave's opinion on some of the players that are there, some players that possibly may not be here, uh, past the offseason or past the trade deadline. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and just the NBA playoffs in general. We're going to definitely get to some of that um, in the second segment. Uh, so for this first segment, I want to get your opinion, Dave, because like I said, myself and AD, we talked about last week who we would take with the number one pick um, if the Rockets were to get that first pick. So in your opinion, if the Rockets get the number one overall pick, who would you go with? So, um, yeah, I, I personally would go with Jabari Smith out of Auburn. Um, you know, six ten forward, really good shooter, good defender. Um, has has a weakness for sure. Um, but that's, my, in my opinion, uh, the guy that I like the best on any team that the Rockets choose to build. I think he's, he's going to fit uh, extremely well <clears throat> with any team. Um, it's kind of 1A, 1B. I have Chet Holmgren second, and then uh, – I actually have Ivy third and Paolo fourth, but um, for me, it's it's uh, a top two pick is is a home run for the Rockets, or just to get one of those those two guys, in my opinion. But Jabari is currently my my number one. I know we probably have a little bit different opinion on that one. <laughs> a, a little bit, and actually, some you just said is really interesting that I know a lot of people in Rockets Twitter land is going to be like, wow. So you also have Ivy over Bankero. I do. I, it's simply because, you know, um, it's, it's interesting for, for Paolo, you know, and I'm, I, I freely admit I could be wrong here on this, but I, I, he's, his game is built to be like a star, but I just don't, 
I don't know if I see his um, skills translating to being like a top 20 guy. Like he's yeah. going to be good at, in a lot of ways. And I think he's like the guy I think could win rookie of the year. And I will say, um, you know, a six foot 10, 250 guy who can do some of those things offensively, um, just, you know, his handle and his, his shot um, it's rare, but you know, I, and I wouldn't flip out if that's the, who the Rockets pick. I think that just, it's going to be a different, I think you're looking at, you know, Shingun maybe not being uh, as much of a part of the rebuild as, as we expect. Um, even KPJ is, it's going to be interesting. I think if you draft somebody like Paolo, it's uh, Paolo and Jalen green. And now you've, you've got to flank them with really good defensive players. Um, so that's why I kind of have him for, I, I look at Ivy with his, uh, explosive speed. And I think to myself, even though he's not the, the ideal fit at all right now for the Rockets and where they're going, that he's uh, a guy whose skills would, would translate possibly to a high level player in the league. And, and so that's, I kind of want to go into that. Cause I think sometimes people may confuse what's best for the Rockets and who's the best player. Um, because that can be two different things. So when you're making your pace, you're saying best for the Rockets, not necessarily who's going to be may have the better overall skill set, but who fit best for the Rockets. That's actually a great question, because, you know, for me, it's like I like I do think Jabari is the best player available. I do think his weakness, which is handles and, and dribbling and creating his own shot is yeah. a significant one. Um, but I think this is, believe it or not, even though it's rare for players to develop that, I think he'll get better or good enough to be able to create his own shot within reason. Um, but so I do think he's best player available, but when you talk about fit, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really kind of tough because if I'm a expansion team and I'm starting from scratch, maybe Paolo is more interesting to me, yeah. but I, I still feel like his role is, uh, in this league, it's going up against MVPs. It's going up against all-star caliber players. So if you're going to be a ball dominant scorer, you need to be like, you know, excel in that role, be really, really good and and elite. And so I just with when I watch him, <clears throat> I struggle with with wondering what's going to be elite from him. I think he's yeah. going to be very good in the league. But, you know, do you want to build around uh, scoring from that guy? That's that's the question I have with him. And does Van Caro's skill set? The fact that it's similar to Shangun, now he's a better mid-range shooter, um, but they're both really good in the post. They're both really good, you know, high post um, kind of facilitators. Um, they they both operate a lot around the basket. They're not necessarily great, really even good three-point shooters at this point. Um, yeah. Does that kind of factor into it any for you? Because I know it does for me. That's like yeah. one of the biggest factors. And I know people say, well, you just take the best player available, but if everything that we're saying about Shangun is true, that he's going to take this next step, he's going to be great. I mean, do we really want another player that's kind of basically have the same exact similar skill set? Does that kind of factor into it for you as well? Well, it does. And, and you know, I'll just confess that like last year, I was not high on Shangun. I, I was hoping yeah. he would go ahead of the Rockets at 23 and 24, which was expected. But just that, that I didn't look at him as like a guy on the Rockets because I just thought to myself – why would you build around somebody who's not a strong defender, is a post yeah. player? Now, he's better than I expected, so I'm not saying that I, I was correct on that. But 
are, are we going to have two guys that, you know, really don't spread the floor when you want to create as much mm-hmm. space as possible for Jalen Green and I assume KPJ as well? Um, that to me is a huge issue. Um, you know, Shangun, he probably will develop range and Vancaro is, is farther ahead as far as three point range um, than Shangun. But yeah. but I mean, we're talking about guys whose strengths are, you know, with the ball in their hands and you've got several of those players now. So I'm just kind of. I guess I I wouldn't say necessarily fit as much as defense. I I prioritize in this draft, and that's why I think Jabari and Chet are are a cut above the other prospects. Yeah, and uh, and you know, for full disclosure, if people haven't listened last week, which you should anyway, but if you haven't, <laughs> yeah, I'm going Chet number one just because of, and we kind of on the same wavelength as far as why we would choose the players we're choosing, just because I think Chet can affect both sides of the court. And I don't exactly like you were saying, I don't think the Rockets need another ball dominant player. And that's kind of what Ben Carroll is. Yes. I know people have been putting out stats that he can play off the ball a little bit, but that's not his main game. His main game is getting in the post. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's creating for other players, even getting out on a fast break, but it's with the ball in his hands. That's his main um, objective when he's out on the court, but players like Chet who can get offensive rebounds, who, I know a lot of people still don't realize is a 39% three-point shooter and can also affect the game on a defensive end to the point where he's a game-changer on defensive end. I think that's what the Rockets need at that point because if you have a Bancaro Shangun front court, I mean, let's be honest, you're going to probably get dominated a lot on the inside, just like the Rockets were this year. Um, and I know they have some hopes for you know, Garuba and they have some hopes for uh, Fernando, but again, those are role type players that aren't probably going to be getting 30 minutes a game. So you need that shot blocking big inside. And I think that people may get turned off a little bit about because of Chet's weight, but I just want everybody to go and look at every single report that's been put out about him when it comes to that. The fact that he does not back down from anybody in any game. I mean, he actually takes it personal that everybody goes at him. I mean, that's like the number one thing they do. The first thing they do, they try to go at him. We saw it with uh, Duran in the play uh, in the uh, tournament. We saw when uh, Gonzaga played Duke. Uh, ben Carroll constantly tried to go directly at him, and they may actually push him off his spot. But he has close to an eight foot wingspan, which kind of covers up for a lot of it. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, yeah, it, it's insane. So not only that, he has guard skills that he just wasn't able to show in college because he was playing with a bunch of seniors and players that. Um, they have been in the Gonzaga system for three or four years. So he wasn't the main guy on the offensive end. But let me ask you about Jabari. Um, so you said your main concern or you, something you think he can improve on is his ball handling. Um, do you have any uh, concerns as far as um, what position that you play him at? Do you think he's more of a four or can he play three? Um, I think he can play three. I think his advantage would be playing four. Um, because I think he can guard some in the post. I, I, I don't. They say he can kind of play, you know, defend one through five. I, I wouldn't necessarily want him defending uh, bigs, yeah. but I think one through four, he'd be extremely good, very effective. So, um, you know, I could see him playing three because he's got the range, he's got the lateral quickness um, and the speed defensively. Uh, you know, where he needs to really make a, a kind of a step forward is just that. You know, he, he gets the ball and, he and you know, you can even ask Auburn fans that their concern is when he puts the ball on the floor and has to yeah. make something happen. So it, it is uh, a concern. He makes 
really tough shots, but he's got to be able to at least um, create his own shot from a, from you know a, a couple of dribbles, uh, you know, yeah. step backs. If he can do that effectively, I mean, I think he'll be outstanding in the league, way beyond any <clears throat> role player. But at a minimum, he's going to be an excellent, excellent, uh, high level role player if that makes sense. And I know you don't want to take that with the number one pick, but. Um, you know, a, a guy I think that will really impact winning uh, down the line. Yeah, and I, I think that everybody thinks you should get a superstar every single high pick. I mean, that's just not the way it works. I mean, sometimes you're going to get players that, like you said, are high-level role players, which is not bad. I mean, if we everybody thinks that, and I believe that Jalen Green is definitely going to be an all-star one day, maybe even more, you don't necessarily need another – high-level, ball-dominant player that's taking up shots from – and I know people may not think KPJ is going to be around, but, I mean, for now, you still have Kevin Porter Jr. You still have a Jalen Green. Um, you still have other players. I mean, even with a Shangoon. <clears throat> Shangoon is a type of player, <clears throat> excuse me, that's going to need the ball in his hands. So you don't need another player that's going to ha- absolutely have to have that ball in their hands for 15, 20 seconds to get their shot off. So, so yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah. yeah, especially when you're not really getting anything elite. And I don't want to downplay his defense. You know, it, it could be <clears throat> it could be solid in the league, Paolo. Yeah. But uh, you know, if you're not getting much on the defensive end, you know, that's a concern. Now, I don't want to like overlook him. I mean, I look at somebody like Giannis simply on the offensive end, yeah. and you know, he's not necessarily the primary, but he is you know a creator and a and a bull and a guy who's who's uh, attacking the basket. I mean, I don't think Paolo's that, and I'm not comp- necessarily comparing him to Giannis, but you don't want to miss out on somebody who's able to um, use their size so effectively against other players. Yeah. I just question how, you know, I think he's going to be good, but is it going to be like championship level good? Because I think when you draft a player like that in that mold, that's, a, a, you know, you expect to at least be uh, a heavily used secondary. that um, needs to be sort of a championship level uh, guy in my opinion so I, I don't mean to put a higher standard on paulo than others but yeah. just by by virtue of his role that's how i feel yeah and just kind of speaking on the rest of the top five well first off before i go into that so what's what is that what is your top five as you look at it right now so uh it's like kind of jabari 1a chet 1b and then uh ivy paulo and then right now i have sharp uh fifth sharp. simply because i feel like um like it's not so much for the Rockets, uh, although I I would strongly consider taking him. Um, it's just simply because I think that's your your five high ceiling guys. I think the yeah. Rockets are in such a great position going into this lottery, knowing that they're one, two, three, four, or five, most likely five, or you know, out of any single um, spot. I think their their odds to get one through four are a little higher, yeah. but um, you know. That's the value. Even if it's not the Rockets, what they want on their team, that should be the level where somebody feels like they can get a star level player or a a guy who could potentially be a star level player. So, you know, whether they stay there or not, I I think that they're in a good value position to trade down or up or or whatever they want to do, having one of those five picks. And you just see it more as Keegan Murray is more of a safer pick, but not, like you said, more of a higher ceiling than Shane Sharp. For me, he's he's a guy that's kind of hard to project. I like him a yeah. lot. I think he's going to be really good in the league. If if the Rockets, you know, say they're say they're four and they just don't like 
you know, one of those guards or wings and they want to trade down to six or seven and take Murray. I'm not, I'm not like, you know, upset about that. I think Murray's going to be really solid in the league. Um, You know, he's got good size. He, he defends. It's funny. I was, you know, he actually came into the league as sort of a defensive player, a specialist or came into, you know, college and he, now they're kind of questioning his defense, although it's been pretty darn good. His offense has just come along that much. Um, and I think, you know, he's going to be a good shooter. He's going to be good in transition. I don't know about elite at anything. I think that's what makes him the least, the least sexy pick, but he's yeah. going to be really solid in, in just about every department. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's the, the good thing about all this. I, I definitely think any of the top five, I mean, of course, they don't want to fall below three, but I think if you go with any of those top five, I think I don't think they'll be too upset. But at what point do you would you start considering trading um, down or or maybe even completely out of the top five if you fall? (laughs) Um, You know, it's funny. It is the the, the three picks. I I think if the Rockets got a top three pick, they would take any of the bigs. So my opinion um, and what and what my opinion of what I would do and what the Rockets would do would might be different. But if it was me, I would think I would consider, uh, you know, watching the situation once I'm at three. If it was Paolo that was available there, I, I might consider trading down if I could get a lot of value. It, it, yeah. it just depends. But, you know, for me, I think that even at three, they're going to be in a good position. I think it's a good chance that, you know, in my personal opinion, that Paolo could go one or two and, and one of those two guys falls to the Rockets. Um, so I'm not necessarily balking, but I think there could be some teams um, – you know, there could be teams, in my opinion, that are are two or three, and they're like, yeah. you know what, Shaden Sharp's our guy, and, and yeah. we want to we want to get value and move down to four or five and take Sharp. That, that's a possibility too. So, I think the Rockets are just in a great uh, trade up or trade down position uh, going into the lottery. Yeah, something that's been kind of floating around lately is what would these players be if let's say if Jalen Green was in this year's draft or Evan Mobile was in this year's draft, do you feel like most people that last year's draft was just so strong that if any of the top four or five players were in this draft, they would automatically be the consensus number one? Uh, great question. You know, uh, Jalen Green, I think, would be number one pick in this draft yeah. for sure. And and I think Mobley as well. You know, and it's tough because we have a year in the league to see these guys yeah. say, wow, yeah, you know, and looking back. But, um, you know – Great question. I think Chet was is considered that kind of level of a prospect um, going in. I think Jabari played his way up. He was probably a top five or six guy, um, yeah. you know, going in, and he's kind of played his way up into that conversation. But it was definitely Chet and Paolo, you know, one and two, kind of like Cade and Green were last year. I, I think Cade, Green, Mobley would still be your top three picks in this draft. But that, yeah. but I would I would think some of those guys definitely would be in the conversation. They would be close. Yeah, and I mean, I think that just kind of just highlights how great last year's draft was that, I mean, you have so many great players. I mean, I can't think of any of the top five players that you were like, oh, man, they had a really down rookie year. I mean, I know a lot of people were saying that about Jalen at the beginning, but then we saw how he came on when a rookie of the month and all the 30-point games, I finished with the 40-point games. He showed everybody exactly why he was drafted number two, so... Yeah, I, I think it's more of a – I don't think it's an indictment of this year's draft. This thing just shows how great last year's draft was that – It really was. Yeah, so many players that could, could easily could go number one this year or even – I mean, if we're talking about next year's draft, I mean, all with all the great players that we have in next year's draft possibly as well, 
Um, I also want to ask you about the later pick that the Rockets have at number 17. Um, it's of course a little bit harder to kind of figure out who's going to be there. Cause a lot of the names that we think are going to be there are really rising up the boards now. Cause a lot of people are talking about them like, like dang um, those type of players that were at, you know, maybe a couple months ago were definitely a possibility for the Rockets, but what's who's the player or the type of player that you would want the Rockets to draft? Cause more than likely they're going to be drafting a big guy with his first pick. So are you looking more of a wing type player um, later in the draft? Or are you just going with whoever is just the best player right at that point? I, I think I'm going whoever's best player, but you are correct. I, I think my mindset is like, I, I want um, a big wing, a guy who can yeah. play, uh, you know, defense. I, and I think that's the, the main reason that I look at three guys, Dyson Daniels, uh, Jeremy Suhan and uh, Tari Eason as my favorite targets, maybe even yeah. moving up. I do think 17 on the surface, the Rockets like it, but not love it. I wouldn't be surprised at all just in, in talking with people that they tried to trade up or they tried to trade out. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I don't think they, they despise that that position, but I just, I think they worry about adding another mid-level prospect rookie. Yeah. Um, and so they're, even if they have to kick the can and add and, and turn it into a future pick, they still want to figure out a way to get, um, you know, high level players in here. So I, I think they're, they're going to exhaust just about every opportunity to trade up. You're looking at teams like Charlotte, New York, um, maybe Washington, just and yeah. see what they can get done. But um, those are the prospects I, I got off on a tangent there, but those are the prospects I think that I look <laughs> at is, is kind of wings, you know, guys who can, who can, you know, I mean, look at, look at guys like Herb Jones and Scotty Barnes and the impact yeah. that they had in the league. And, um, and that's a wide range, right? Scotty Barnes went fourth. Herb Jones went second round. Second round, yeah. Yeah. And, but but that's, you know, like Tari Eason could fit that type of mold. Um, you know, we'll see if he hits. But that's the kind of thing that I think the Rockets should be looking for. Yeah. And also, before we go on, I have nothing against Herb Jones. Just in case anybody wants to know, he, right. just got, he just got caught in the middle of a whole Rock Rockets, fire. Bill Simmons thing. So just FYI, I, I really like Herb Jones' game. I think he's going to be a really good player. So just Me to get too. that out there. Um, <laughs> but out of those three players, who are you taking? Is it is it Eason or are you going more Dyson Daniels? Has he done anything with the G League at night that may have changed your mind one way or another? Or you know, it's funny you ask that because that's something I've been struggling with lately. Yeah. <clears throat> right now, out of those three, I kind of have Eason last. I hate to say that, yeah. um, I but I I I kind of do. I Suhan is to me like, yeah. I don't know. I've almost become obsessed with him because I'm I, like I said, I, this is a guy that 10, 15 years ago, I would have watched and been like, nah, like we don't want this guy. <laughs> yeah. But like he, you you watch the little things with him. He, I think, is going to be a very smart, uh, intelligent player on both ends of the floor. I think he's going to be able to create some. Um, again, I don't want to, you know, everyone evokes the Draymond Green comparison for anybody who can kind of play, make, and, and defend <laughs> yes. at a high level. But th that's like kind of his skill set. And he's 18. He's young. Yeah. So I, I really like him. And Daniels, to me, has the potential, if his shot comes around, to be like the ideal fit next to Jalen Green as far as a – kind of a ball caretaker, not necessarily, you know, this Chris Paul point guard, cause he's not, yeah. um, but uh, a, a guy who can defend at a high level uh, at the point of attack and just, I think, make smart plays, almost a Malcolm Brogdon type of uh, guy. And, you know, when Brogdon was in his kind of in his prime, but um, 
I, you know, I love Tari Eason as well. And so I kind of move them around, but that's, that's yeah. probably my order right now. I think Daniels, Suhan, uh, and Eason. And you mentioned, um, we'll talk a, a little bit more about this in the second segment as far as players are on, currently on the Rockets and how they kind of affect everything going forward. But you mentioned uh, Dyson Daniels and how he fits next to Jalen Green. Is there anybody outside of Jalen Green and maybe even Alper and Shangoon that you're like saying, well, I don't know if I want to give up with this guy because I already have this guy. Like, for instance, you have um, Dacia Nix already on the roster. You have a Josh Christopher. You have a K.J. Martin, which was a whole nother story uh, going back to, you know, the comments that his father made about him possibly yeah. wanting to move on. Are there any other players on the Rockets where you're thinking that way that, okay, well, I already have this player, so I may want to go in a different direction? Or are you just, at this point, you're going to take the best player regardless? Going to take the best player regardless, but the <clears throat> the only guy is Jalen Green, and okay. it really is. Um, so, you know, if there's a, a, a top center prospect, I'm not going to hesitate. If there's uh, even a point guard prospect, I'm not going to hesitate. Now, I'm not sure if that's 100% the Rockets' approach. I think they've got some guys – you know, like if, for example, you know, Shengun might impact uh, Paolo. I think they'd have to view yeah. at, a, at a high, high level his game before they say, well, do we want another guy like that? But, um, I, yeah, to me, uh, even a guy like Jaden Hardy is a good example. Probably the farthest thing away from a fit for the Rockets, you know, yeah. I mean, just a two guard, a playmaking two guard. But if, you know, this is a guy who was the number two uh, ranked high school player. Uh, prospect going into this last year and he's kind of fallen off but his skills just rose as he went or you know started to shine as he yeah. went through the season in the g league do you want to pass up on a high level prospect just because you have you know somebody at that position you know whether it's a trade or something you you still got to swing for the fences yeah. but uh yeah as far as building or anything to me it's Jalen green and and that's it anyone else is is kind of you know expendable or or at the point where we're wanting to see more from them before yeah. considering changes. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. And I, I've said this before, like it's Jalen Green is pretty much the as close to untouchable as you're going to get on the Rockets. I'm not picking up the phone to try to trade Apra and Shangun and just to get sure. your feelers out there. But if a trade is, well, I don't know, I'm just throwing out a name, Jalen Brown comes available. And part of it is, hey, you got to give Apra and Shangun. I'm not doing like the Lakers and Taylor Horton Tucker and not making a trade because I think <laughs> that much of them. I mean, right. at some point you got to make the move. And I, I think that um, we were kind of speaking about this off the air that Alperin Shangun may, may be part of that because just because he is such a high level player. Um, but again, I'm not, you know, looking to move Shangun and putting him as part of every trade that a, a GM maybe, you know, brings to me. So um, I definitely agree. Jalen Green is, the closest to untouchable that you get. He's the person that you build your team around and you just kind of go from there. And as much as I like the other players on the team, like a KJ Martin and a Jay Sean Tate and those type of players, realistically, and we've both been watching basketball a long time, a lot of some of these players are not going to be here when the Rockets get really good. Um, Absolutely. And if that's two, three years from now, the team that we're looking at right now is sort of like when James Harden first got here. I mean, I can probably name on my on one hand or <laughs> or a couple of fingers, the players that were around when we got to 17, 18. Um, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I can't really even think of anybody outside of James Harden that actually made it to that 17, 18 team 17, once he first got team. to. 
Yeah, I, so, yeah, I have to think about it. That's a great question. You had Ashik, Delfino, Lynn, uh, Terrence Jones, Motinus. Yeah. yeah, so it's, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, those players, I mean, eventually, whether it's contract-related or just part of trades, and Stone may not be the same as Daryl Moore when it comes to needing to make a trade pretty much every um, offseason, every before every trade deadline, but he still, you know, is from that same analytic-type background. He's going to look at it that type of way. And eventually, a lot of these players are not going to be around. So, like you said, you're going to draft the best player available and then just kind of work it out from there and just let them compete. That's what you want at the end of the day. Um, so that's going to wrap up for the first segment. Second segment, like I mentioned before, we're going to talk a little bit more about the players that are currently there on the team and how they're going to fit into this next upcoming season. Um, and are the Rockets going to possibly make some moves? I mean, we know they have some veterans that possibly could move on. So we're going to talk – a little bit about that in the second segment and also the NBA playoffs that are still going on. And it looks like we're going to have some good series because it's not going to be any sweeps. So <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about that. So uh, please stick around and welcome back to clutch fan Rockets fuel podcast. And in the second, uh, second segment, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the actual Rockets roster that they you know currently have. We talked about the draft in the first segment. Uh, this segment, we're going to talk about players that are actually still on the roster, um, at least as of today that we know of. Uh, I don't think we're going to have any moves anytime soon, but you never know. It's a possibility that it could happen on draft. Um, a lot of players get moved sometimes during the draft or before the offseason. We're going to have you know a few months before we actually get into training camp. Um, so that's kind of where I want to start with, Dave. Um, just your overall opinion on who could possibly be moved. I mean, I know the, the main names are Eric Gordon, uh, Christian Wood. Uh, I, I don't. Do you think outside of those two players that there's a high probability that anybody else could be moved, or you think think that the team outside of those two are are what we're going to be going with when we get into training camp, along with the uh, drafted players? And do you even think that Christian Wood is high on the Rockets list? I know it's high on Rockets fans list because I know anytime <laughs> I mention Christian Wood, I, my comments go crazy. But yeah. Do you think the Rockets see him the same way as somebody that they just have to move uh, soon? You know, I, I can only answer as far as how they, they they saw him up until the final seven games. And I, yeah. I'm not 100% sure if that, um, you know, changed things as far as like, you know, sitting him for, for the, the final seven. They view Christian Wood as a guy who has special offensive skills and yeah. has a mountain of developing to do defensively. Yeah. Are they at a point now where he has he hasn't grown and progressed, and they say to themselves, "Okay, we've got to, uh, you know, move on and get value." I think Christian Wood wants to be here. I think, um, you know, as far as the Rockets' ability to keep him, you know, whatever his market value is, they could keep him next year probably. Uh, you know, if he was, and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. I don't think he's going. If the Rockets are able to match money somewhere, he's going to want to stay here. However. Yeah. We're at a point now where, um, you know, he's got a year left on his deal. If he's got good value, uh, a decent first-round pick, uh, something all along those lines, I think the Rockets have to look at that. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's just a situation where, you know, they they got better offensively in those final seven games, and it is just seven games, and it's at the end of the season. Yeah. But you know, we. As Rocket fans, we loved watching that team in the final seven games, <laughs> watching you know Green and KPJ go crazy, and yeah. and it's kind of what people want without realizing it. Um, and I I just feel at this point that they need to move on from Christian Wood, Eric Gordon, 
they love his veteran leadership. And I, I was stunned they didn't trade him at the deadline. I really was. I, he was playing out of his mind. Uh, content, you know, I, and I, my understanding is contenders did line up. There were a lot of offers for him. But I think the Rockets are looking for future picks um, yeah. for him. Not so much. They don't, you know, if somebody offers the 21st pick for Eric Gordon this year, I don't think they're going to bite. I think it's going to be a future first that they can use in a, in a, in a later deal. And I think that's why, um, you know, they might do something like the same, along the same lines with the 17th pick. They're just, I, it might be, if they can get a future first for some of these guys, they might be, um, that's when they'll, they'll be moving them. As far as any other players, I think the question is Jay Sean Tate is just whether yeah. he is going to be here uh, long-term. I do not think it's likely that they trade him. Um, you know, he was Rafael Stone's guy. He found him um, and he's, he's played pretty well. I mean, he's an effective role player. It's just that when you're at this stage of the game and you're rebuilding, as you mentioned, you know, you look at uh, the beginning of the team, you know, when Harden got here and, and when they hit their peak, um, you know, is he a guy you want to lock up on a, on a, you know, decent sized deal right now when you don't know what, you know, stars or foundation you have as a team. And so that, yeah. that for me is the question with Tate, but if it was me, I, I wouldn't hesitate if a good deal came along. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the same boat with with Tate. Um, I think he can be a very valuable player on a on a winning team. I just don't think that the way they currently use him is the best way. Um, I, I I just think that right now, for at least who they have, and this may even be changing with the draft, KJ Martin is just a better option, especially with the starters, because I think Jason Tate can get his own shot. He can kind of manage the second unit better. Um, in the first unit, he kind of gets buried alongside Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood. And that's a good point. I mean, yeah. if you if he bring him off the bench, he can he can it won't be as noticeable when he has tunnel vision, especially when he's running fast breaks. A lot of times yeah. we do see it. He comes down on fast break and he's going straight for a shot. He's great at um in the post. We all know that. Probably there. I mean, outside of Shane Goon, he's probably their best post player. Well, he's definitely their best post player outside of Shane Goon. But as far as getting other people involved, playing off the ball, it's not really his strength. And that's what you need in the starting lineup, especially next to a Jalen Green, whose game is involving and he's getting better uh, off of pick and rolls. And Kevin Porter Jr., who's you know slowly getting better as a playmaker. You need play, play, players that can play off the ball, and that's what K.J. Martin can do. Um his three-point shooting for K.J. Martin is definitely better than Jay Sean Tate. He's a better um, offensive rebounder. He's definitely more of a, a vertical spacing type player, something you're not going to get from Jay Sean Tate. So I agree with you. I mean, if you can get value for Jay Sean Tate, um, you definitely look at that. Uh, but at the same time, he's the type of player that he, I can see with the Rockets in two or three years if they're when they start actually winning, that can bring value. Um, but one thing I want to go back to with Christian Wood, do you think that um, if they draft Chet Holmgren, that there's still a chance that we have a Chet Holmgren and um, Christian Wood starting lineup and that Alperen Shangoon is coming off the bench, even going into a, a large part of the beginning of the year? Do you think that's still kind of a possibility at this point? Uh, I think it's possible, um, you know, but I think the, the way the reason it's possible I guess the scenario where it would be possible is if they just, there's not a good value trade. 
Um, yeah. And I'm, I hope I'm wrong uh, that there is good value there, uh, you know, for them to, to move him. But if I don't think they just want to dump Christian Wood. They've got to get yeah. a good trade offer. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I do think Shangun is going to start. If you draft Holmgren, I think he's your four uh, as he you know continues to get stronger and, and develop yeah. into that five. Starting Wood, then you're you're looking at maybe him being a three, where he might be a little bit better defensively, yeah. but you know, That's sketchy. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. And so, and, and plus, is that is that what you, you know, are you maximizing Christian Wood out in that yeah. spot? And so, you know, uh, I, I I tend to think no, but at the same time, without knowing the market value, I think uh, it, it's hard to say because I feel like the Rockets aren't just going to dump him i mean he's a he's okay. a solid or, or good player i mean certainly a very skilled offensive player i just wouldn't call him a winning player yet he doesn't have yeah. that um that mentality do whatever it takes to win his his mindset is give me the ball and I'm, you know I'm, uh, he's got a lot of confidence in himself <laughs> yes. and, and that's great but you know i think he he views himself as an all-star and nothing wrong with that but his his way of thinking i'm going to impact the game is uh, you know give me the ball and i'm going to score yeah. Um, and you know that some players are like that, that and that's fine. But I, it, you, the Rockets need some players around their guys that are, you know, their offensive players and that are going to impact the game in other ways, defensively and um, you know, defensive smarts, scheme, understanding schemes and things of that nature. Yeah. I just don't think Christian Wood uh, is the is that guy. Yeah, I think that's kind of the problem he runs into with the Rockets is he. A lot of people mention he, he wants to be Kevin Durant. When he should be Tobias Harris, I mean, sure, he, that's a good, good he, point. He, sh- he should be playing more of a third role where you know when the other two players maybe they're not in the game or they're staggering them or you know they they pass out of a double team. That's where he should be at. But you're right, he plays with a lot of confidence, and sometimes that confidence gets him in trouble, gets him to bring up the ball on a fast break, even though he shouldn't, yeah. or taking step back threes with 15 seconds left on the shot clock. And his defense is – out of all that, his defense is the biggest issue for me. It's just that I don't know if he – it just seems like he doesn't give the full effort that he should on defense. Not that he'll ever be a lockdown defender. I don't think if he even gives full effort. I just don't think that's in his skill set. But he has to give more effort. He has to give more effort on switches. He can't be lackadaisical um, getting up and down the court. And I think that ultimately that's what's going to cause him – just with the Rockets, but just money in general, because I was speaking with Jake Fisher a while ago, and he had mentioned this was around the trade deadline. Most teams don't really value Christian Wood right. that much. I mean, outside I of the Rockets. And I think that, like you were saying, that's where they're going to run into a problem with trying to trade them is they're not going to get value for them. They they have a, high, a lot higher opinion of him than most other teams. But again, it only takes one team. Maybe he comes out and he plays more team ball and then it's a trade somewhere a team may be looking like, well, we'll give him a chance and see how it goes since he's in the last year of his contract. So it's, it's a real tricky situation because when they brought Christian Wood in, they didn't bring him in to be the number one guy. Um, they brought him in to play with James Harden. Um, they brought him in at the time um, to possibly even play with a Westbrook. I mean, the timeline's kind of murky on that. But they brought him in to not be the number one guy. So now he got thrust into that role after all the trades and – we're kind of seeing like, yeah, that's just not his game. It's kind of like a uh, another kind of situation I'll go back to. I know you'll understand. It's the first time Trevor Rizzo was here. I was and, just thinking that. <laughs> yeah, and, and they brought him in and, you know, 
as the number one guy, and we saw that that's not Trevor Reese's game. He's never going to be a number one guy, and it was painful to watch. And when he came yeah. back the second time, he wasn't number one guy, and he the role was great for him. He was a secondary, third, fourth guy, and that was a perfect role for him. And I think that's exactly what Christian Wood – if Christian Wood would ever get that um, – you know, figure that out, that he's not a number one guy, that he's a third-type role player, a high-level role player guy, I think that that will definitely help him out in the future. Um, no, yeah. go ahead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you nailed it because that Ariza comparison. You know, and, and the funny part about it is there were games that Ariza had 30 points, and people yeah. would be like, oh, you know, the, I'm, I'm seeing the vision now. I'm seeing the star potential. And, you know, I mean, if you gave – today, you put DeMarcus Cousins in a feature role, he'll give you 20 and 10. I mean, he, yeah. he can do it. Um, but is that going to really – you know, where are you going with that? And, um, and that's kind of how I look at it right now with uh, with Wood. You, you nailed that perfectly, in my opinion, is yeah. he's a very efficient offensive player as far as his shot and, and things of that nature. He's got to play – he's got to play less of a featured role. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, when he – when Harden was here and they had a few games together, he was awesome. I mean, he was, yeah. he, we, we all thought he was the next AD offensively. And, <laughs> yes. and uh, you know, and, and I remember DeMarcus Cousins when he, when he was here, like after his first practice or first official practice where he was speaking to the media, he talked about, you know, Christian Wood and trying to like motivate him to be a defensive player of the year type of guy. And I was yeah. just like, Whoa, is he, you know, is he going to be that good defensively? And I feel like DeMarcus Cousins lied to us for sure because <laughs> he is not. Um, yeah. it, it, uh, you know, it, it's uh, just a, a situation where, yeah, if he if he gets it somewhere else, it, yeah, it's going to hurt a little bit. But I, we're at a point where the Rockets have to move on. And they're going to yeah. they're going to trade some players, in my opinion, that are going to be successful elsewhere. They yeah. got to find the right the right core of guys for them. So and yeah. to me, Christian was not that. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of um, bad timing when it comes to Christian Wood. Yeah. I think that if they would have traded James Harden um, before free agency or whatever the case, before they got into the whole free agency and signed Christian Wood, they would have never signed Christian Wood. I mean, let's just be honest. They, they probably wouldn't even try to go that route because then they wouldn't be trying to push Christian Wood as that number one guy. I don't think they see Christian Wood as a number one guy, even before um, they drafted Jalen Green. I think they ultimately saw him as that high level player that can be a, at the most, a second type of guy. So it's just a bad, you know, matter of bad timing and the team is rebuilding and he just kind of doesn't fit that role. And I don't think, and, you know, great for him that he thinks that he's more than, you know, what we may think of him personally, but yeah. it just doesn't really fit with this current team. But again, the Rockets just may be stuck because they may not get what they want from them. And don't be surprised if the Rockets just let them walk. Ultimately, I know that's not what people want to hear, but like you were saying, I don't think they just going to want to dump them just to be just to dump them. I think they're going to yeah. ride this out as far as they possibly can um, just to see how everything works out. That's, that's a great uh, point as well, because, you know, cap space is going to be important to them. So yes. if they're getting a like somebody offers a first round pick, but they've got to take a contract that's two years with Christian Wood, that's not going to work for them. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I tend to think and I'm, again, maybe I'm overvaluing him. I tend to think a team like Charlotte with 13 yeah. and 15 should be interested um, that there are some teams that, you know, especially if he's, in my opinion, discounted down to a first round pick. But 
it, it's very tough. A team like Charlotte needs a big for sure, but they need a defensive big. You know, I've yeah. talked to several kind of, in my opinion, smart Hornet fans, and they're, you know, they're looking at Mark Williams. They're looking at trading for Gobert or trading for Miles Turner. That's yeah. their ideal. <clears throat> they like Christian Wood. They think he'd be good, uh, great lob threat for Lamella Ball, but it's, you know, he's not the he's not the number one. Uh, I, mean, I think he's gonna, he's not going to be the number one big on anyone's board if Gobert and and Turner are on the block. So that's like you said, the hard part. You've got to get value for him, um, but they may not. And so at that point, you you know they might have to let him uh, you know expire and 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 use that cap space in a year. Yeah, because I, like you mentioned, um, cap space is going to be really important because we saw what Tim and Fertitta was saying that they're want to win more games this year, but. Coming up in the next year or two, they plan on making big moves. And, I mean, the big moves can mean trades, but more than likely they're talking about free agency because by that point, someone we – honestly, I totally forget he's on the team until I started really talking about it. John Wall is going to be off the books here pretty soon, one way or another, either by buyout or by trade, which I I don't see likely. But – or just – they just let him walk after uh, his upcoming contract. But I think more than likely he's going to get bought out. So – they're going to have a lot of cap, cap space come up in the next couple of years. I know a lot of people are saying that 2023 free agency is, is not, you know, is not going to be not going to have a lot of big names, but in the next couple of years, they're definitely going to be trying to bring in somebody via free agency, whether it's a sign and trade or whatever it is, they they're going to have a lot of cap space. Uh, one more thing on the current roster, another hot topic that's consistently talked about is Kevin Porter jr. Mm-hmm. I, I want to just kind of get your opinion on him overall. Um, I know that more than likely they're not going to be drafting a guard with one of those higher level picks. I mean, it's a chance that they draft Jaden Ivey, but more than likely they're going to be drafting one of the, you know, the big guys with one of the top three picks. What is kind of your opinion on Kevin Porter Jr.? We know his contract is going to be coming up here pretty soon as far you know, renegotiating that. Um what do you see as far as him being on the team? And if he's on the team, what contract would you be comfortable giving him going forward? Good question. So <clears throat> I know there's no extension talks going on right now. Um, and yeah. normally uh, in, in a situation like this, this conversation would have already come up. So I think agents know that the Rockets, uh, the cap space is important for the yeah. Rockets. And I think the I think the Rockets also have a, a the correct approach, in my opinion, on KPJ. They have him under team control. He's restricted free agent in a year. Um, and I think if extension talks came up, they would look at it, but it'd have to be a value for them. You know, he's yeah. got a cap hold of about $10 million, So just, just keeping him as a restricted free agent holds more or less $10 million on your cap at that point. So they'd have to, like, rescind his rights to clear that money or, you know, sign it for a, a lesser amount to create any money. So I think if there was something like a $10 million, $11 million a year deal, and again, I'm not saying that's what his value is, they would look at it. My opinion of KPJ is just give him more time. It's kind of like Davis Mills of the Texans. Like, I don't know. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if Davis Mills is the, the answer at quarterback there, but like, that's the same thing with KPJ. I like yeah. a lot of things that I see. I, I also just worry, is this the guy that for sure you want the ball in his hands and making all the decisions for you. And the, yeah. the, mainly, you know, most of the key decisions, he's obviously can put up numbers and he's very gifted um, offensively. There's just, there's just concerns there. So for me, it's like I said, kind of like Mills, I want to see another year and then, and then we'll make that decision. But yeah. um, 
you know, for me, Jalen Green, I'm convinced. Um, but for KPJ, I like what I see, but I just I, I, I think my my opinion would be that he's likely going to be end up being a six man type player, yeah. and that somebody else would fit better with with Green, and that he could run a se- uh, show uh, a second unit. But uh, you know, he may prove me wrong. Give him another year. Yeah, and that's kind of where I am with him. I, I mean, I know a lot of people see that I post a lot about you know Kevin Porter Jr. as the point guard, but yeah, I understand that maybe ultimately he's not the future point guard, and it may not even necessarily be anything with him personally as as a player. It just maybe they may find a better option. Um, and I, I agree with you as far as giving him more time. I mean, people need to realize um, he didn't come into the NBA as a point guard; he came in as a small forward. Yes, he played in the G League as a point guard, but playing in the G League, no disrespect to people in G League, but it's totally different than playing in the NBA, as we all know. He didn't get a lot of time last year um, as point guard. He came in in March, so he only got a handful of games as point guard. And and in some of those games, John Wall was still playing. So he didn't get a lot of time as point guard last year. This year he did, um, but it's his first full year playing with Jalen Green um, in the backcourt, so it took some time for them to get used to. And another thing we got to remember is Coach Salas is still young as well as far as his NBA head coach experience, so he's still learning on the fly. I mean, he's coming from coaching players like Luka Doncic to coaching, you know, a lot of, you know, really young players that maybe not on a – well, they're not on a Luka level yet, so he's still learning on the fly. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. And I think, of course, this year is going to be huge for him one way or another. If he comes out and he turns, he cuts down on his turnovers, his playmaking is a lot better, then I think we kind of got our, our answer. But if he's still making the same mistakes and he's still struggling, and hopefully not, but if some off-court stuff happens as far as um, not really even off-court, but just within the locker room, if stuff comes yeah. out again, then – the Rockets have the answer that way. So this is a huge year for him. Personally, I think that he can be that point guard. He doesn't necessarily have to be that traditional point guard because like we spoke about earlier, I mean, that's Afrin Shangun, really. He's really their primary playmaker. And the more minutes he gets, he's going to be that type of player. Not he, does, he doesn't necessarily have to be Jokic. It doesn't have to be a Jokic-Jamal Murray thing. But he does have that capability to run the offense, as we've seen. So – Kevin Porter Jr. may not even need to be the primary ball handler, and I think ultimately that helps him. But at the same time, I know that there's a possibility that he could just end up being the sixth man, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we've seen plenty of players thrive in that. We saw Tyler Hero. Exactly. I mean, he he's their sixth man, but he ultimately ends up finishing games. So it may be a case with Kevin Porter Jr. He may eventually go back to his small forward position. So – the good thing is you have a lot of different possibilities with him. He doesn't necessarily have to be the point guard or nothing. So I right. think ultimately, yeah, the Rockets will figure that part out. And they're going to have to figure that out, you know, pretty soon because his contract will be coming up. And I do agree with you. Within that 10 to $12 million range, if they can get that, that's perfect. I don't think that any teams are going to be getting in the 15 to $20 million range with Kevin Porter Jr. So I think the Rockets have a lot of leverage when it comes to that. And I think that Kevin Porter Jr. wants to stay with the Rockets because – Yes. He has a close relationship with the coaching staff, especially with John Lucas. So I think that ultimately that's going to play into how he feels his contract should go. So, yeah, the Rockets have a lot of tough decisions coming up. Um, they really and, that, and like you were saying, that's why they don't want – they didn't want another first-round pick this year um, because you had four last year. I think people forget that. It's kind of yeah. hard to factor in four – 
draft picks. I mean, Uzma Garuba didn't even factor really in at all in the rotation. They're going to have to factor him in some kind of way. And now if you're bringing in another draft pick this year, three more, I mean, at some point you're going to run out of roster spaces. So, yeah, you know, and yeah. you bring up a great point because I was, you know, I'll, I'll be totally honest. I was pretty upset that they didn't trade Eric Gordon at the deadline. I felt like yeah. that was a failure, but I will say if they had a pick right now in the twenties, I mean, I, I personally like it, but they're, they're going to hit a roster crunch, <laughs> yes. um, yeah. you know, and, and if they have nothing but guys that, I mean, some of them are going to pan out, but nothing but guys that are sort of mid-level prospects, that's a tough situation for them to be in. They are yeah. looking to add a second and a third. And again, maybe KPJ and Shingun are already those guys, but they're looking to add second and third guys who could be yeah. potentially stars. So that's why they wanted a future pick for Gordon. And maybe now in this offseason, they're in a better position to get a tw- to get a 23 or a 24 pick. Um, you know, that that's the only thing. I mean, for example, Phoenix traded their pick this year and they could only trade their 24 pick uh, yeah. at the deadline. But once this draft happens, they can trade their 23 pick. So I, to me, um, you know, that's that's I think the situation that they're in looking for a future pick for some of these guys rather than adding another mid-level guy. Yeah, because, I mean, at some point, their own picks aren't going to be that high. I mean, Brooklyn, that may be a different story. Um, yeah. <laughs> just depending on how all that plays out, that's a whole, you know, different that ball game right there. That is huge for the there. Rockets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With, I mean, with Ben Simmons having back surgery, who knows how he's going to be when he comes back if Kyrie Irving is even going to be there. Kevin yes. Durant is getting older. Um, he still has a, a major injury history as well. So, that's a whole another story that may factor into all of this, that they, they may feel that <clears throat> they need to go all in on these picks and because they have the Brooklyn picks in their back pocket. So, yeah, it's a lot to talk about when it comes to the Rockets. But <laughs> oh, for sure. Yes, but we're going to finish this um, this show off with talking about a little bit about the playoffs. Um, Dallas uh, got a, a huge win yesterday. So did Philadelphia. Um so what's kind of your overall opinion of the second round? Because at first it looked like we were just going to get sweeps left and right in the second round. But now we really got some serious, especially with Joel and B coming back. So what's kind of your impressions of the uh, second round, especially after last night? You know, I, I think Phoenix is, is too good. I think they'll take care of business there. Yeah. I do. I find found it interesting that they're hunting uh, Luka Doncic on, yes, on every it, play. You know, defensively. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, you know, th- there was a lot made about how he improved defensively this year, and, and he probably has within a team system. But that's, you know, to me, I'm looking for takeaways as far as, the, you know, one of them being that Herb Jones and, and you know, Scotty Barnes had an impact in the playoffs and, and played well. And I'm looking for impacts like that. And you you just don't want those guys who are getting hunted, you know, whether they're, yeah. they're called ducks or what have you. That, that And even though Luke is amazing, you just got to be careful on that. And I, I think Phoenix is going to take care of business. I'm still blown away watching Chris Paul. Like, he was, you know, he was really <laughs> yeah. good in his last year with the Rockets, but, but he was definitely down. He was he had you yeah. know, slipped some to watch this now where he's like, again, playing like he was when he was 27. It just. It, it blows amazing. my mind. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, he, he right now is playing better than, than James Harden, which again is, is blowing, <laughs> you know, just really surprising. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to see Philly win. I will say that um, because, you know, I, I don't have that animosity towards Harden. I'm not, I'm definitely no, he's not my problem anymore. I don't have to worry about it anymore, <laughs> yes. but I just, I, I want to see him at least, you know, have some success. I'll be, I'll be totally honest. I'd like, you know, if, of all the teams to win it all, I think I wouldn't mind him or or, or Philly or or Phoenix, but yeah. I don't think their um, situation is good enough this year. 
Um, I, I think Miami's going to end up winning that series, but I, I was happy to see them bounce back. And, you know, it's funny. We talk about Harden, you know, being slipping or, or you know, being washed or what have you. And that's exactly the conversation people had about Chris Paul a few years yeah. ago. So let's see if he can he can get that back. Yeah. And I think the main thing with Harden, and I had a certain, I felt a certain way when he left that, you know, he definitely could have left a better way. But yeah, I'm at the point where now I'm not rooting against him like some people are, like right. actively rooting against him. If he wins, great. If he doesn't, it, it, it's not going to, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. But at the end of the day, um, like you said, it's a matter of will he take it as seriously as Chris Paul did. And I think that yeah. if the Rockets didn't trade him, do we is Chris Paul the way he is right now? Because a big part of it was that he felt slighted that the, you know Daryl Morey basically he said lied to him, and he felt that he was going to show everybody that they were wrong. And does Harden feel that same way going into all season? Does he gonna, is he going to take his conditioning seriously? Because he's at the point now he's not like he used to be. Where I mean, he'll twist his ankle like crazy, like complete opposite way. And he's right back in the game a couple of games, a couple of uh, plays later, and he's not that way anymore. He's getting older. Is he going to take his conditioning more seriously in the offseason? Because um, right now we definitely see more of a facilitating James Harden, um, somebody that can at times can take over games, but he's not going to be the player that's going to go out there and give you 40 points every other night. That's just not the type of player he is right now. So, I mean – It'll be interesting to see how all that plays out because Embiid um, definitely has some rust that he needs to knock off. But, oh, yeah. I mean, it's good for him that he, he was out on the court, that he did get hit in the face, but he still was able to stay in the game. So um, I think that series will go six or seven. But, like, I do agree that Miami just has too much, especially with Kyle Lowry coming back. I think they just have too much overall. I think they end up taking that. And I agree with – I wouldn't be surprised if, Phoenix wins the rest of the games, ends up winning four games to one. I think that was Dallas's one game to win. And I just yeah. think going forward that Phoenix is going to just take that series. And I think eventually you'll get a Phoenix Golden State um, conference finals. And I think that I I have no idea on Milwaukee and Boston just because if Chris Middleton was there, I would be picking Milwaukee. But I think that's just going to be tough for them as the series goes on for Giannis because I think that they're probably the best team equipped to handle Giannis. Not that anybody can ultimately handle them, but they have players like Horford and Brown and Tatum and even smart at times that they can just, you know, put on Giannis and make his life, you know, miserable. And, and it's true holiday, that type of player that can step up and have 20, 30 point games every game. I just don't know if he's that type of player. So I, I think that'd be the most interesting series that probably will go seven out of all of them. You know, it's funny about Boston. Like, they just got it all of a sudden. Like, yeah. early in the year, even like up to, the, I think, the midpoint, I can't remember, they were losing games. Like, yes. you know, games that they had, like, collapsed at the end or something. And I remember thinking, man, again, that, that people were talking about trading Brown or Tatum or, you know, one or the other or something along those lines. And they just got it. And it, it does remind me of the old, early 90s Rockets when they were, like, a good team. And then all of a sudden, boom something magical clicked yeah. uh, and they suddenly became a really good team that's how i feel about boston i'm surprised i guess to see it but um their defensive unit as a whole is just outstanding and then of course you yeah. got tatum and brown just a, a, as potential scorers so uh i, I agree with you i, I personally think boston's going to win that series yeah. um even though they, they slipped in game one and uh you know boston miami i i I think I might take Boston to be honest with you. Um, yeah. If that ends up happening, 
As far as um, you know, I'll be I'll be flat out pulling for Phoenix against Golden State. I, I will say that right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not giving up hope on Memphis, though. I'm not giving up hope yeah. on them. I, I, Memphis, to me, I worried. I, I thought I don't want to say worried. I thought they might be give Golden State a problem. Yeah. I was disappointed that they lost the first game, but I, I think I still think just some of those guys on that team could could give an issue to to. Uh, the Warriors. As a matter of fact, yeah. with Draymond on the court, I think they've been very, very effective against them. So, yeah. we'll see. I'm ho- I'm hoping it's Memphis, but if it's Golden State Phoenix, that's going to remind me a little bit of the uh, Houston War, you know, Houston Golden State series yeah. that were so classic. Yeah, and I, I I agree. I mean, Memphis definitely has a chance just because as good as Golden State is, I just don't. It's just somebody. I just don't see the same Steph Curry. I don't know. I, I don't see him as just the can't miss type Steph Curry and the same thing with Clay yeah. Thompson's Clay Thompson's not the same consistent Clay Thompson that he used to be. Right. Um, so basically you're depending on Jordan Poole. I mean, right now, I mean, Jordan Poole is probably, <laughs> if, if not the most important player, he's definitely right there um, yeah. as overall most important player. So, and I think that Rockets fans should really pay attention to Memphis because that's where you want to be in two or three years. You want to be where Memphis is. You want Jalen Green to take that next step like John Morant. Um, you want, I don't know, I don't know who's going to be there, they're, they're Jackson Jr., but you want those type of players that are going to take that next step. Um, so that's the type of team the Rockets should be modeling themselves after is getting all these young players and hoping that you hit on two or three of them. Um, you definitely don't want to give away the a, a, a Anthony Melton again, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or a Dylan right. Brooks. Even though Dylan Brooks has been horrible this series, you, he's still he's been great for them. You don't want you don't want to be the the team that gives away those type of players again. So right. it's kind of hard watching that and watching these players excel and knowing that they were on the Rockets and Rockets basically gave, especially Melton, up for basically nothing. So um, <laughs> it's kind of hard to hard, hard to watch that. Um, right. but, uh, before we wrap it up, um, yeah. first off, thank you for jumping jumping oh, on. It's great. Love um, it. Love it. Uh, we're definitely gonna be doing a lot more of these. Um, well, if some people don't know where to find you, won't you let everybody know where to find all your great content? Oh, sure. It's uh, the, my Twitter account's at ClutchFans, and yeah. uh, the website's ClutchFans.net. So uh, yeah, that's where we're talking Rockets pretty much on the boards and forums yeah. and, you know, all day, every day. Yeah, definitely. And and hopefully we may be doing something as far as the uh, draft lottery, maybe something live. We're still working on that. We'll definitely let y'all know on that. Uh, upcoming this week, we have um, – uh, Coach Albafada coming on, so we're definitely That's excited right. about that. Um, so make sure you're checking that out. We're going to have hoop coverage left and right, um, so make sure you're sticking around for that. Um, and as always, we love uh, you joining us. This is going to be our first video uh, podcast as well, so make sure you're checking that out on YouTube. As usual, we'll be on Apple, Spotify, um, a bunch of other ones that I can't even remember at this point, but it will be <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> so sure. make sure you check us out there. Um, and as always, we enjoy our time talking about the Rockets and make sure you check back uh, this upcoming week. We'll have one dropping Thursday with Coach. Um, Like I said, we're very excited about that. So as usual, thank you for jumping on and we look forward to talking to you uh, next time.